I'm your host, Adam P. Kennedy. Welcome to America's Place in the World, featuring retired four-star United States Marine Corps General and former U.S. Special Envoy to Israel and the Palestinian Authority, Tony Zinni. We're looking at the world and America's place in it. In this episode, we're discussing race in America. It's coming up right now. What do you think the state of race relations in America? They're terrible. I mean, I can't believe we've taken so, so many steps backward in the whole process of race relations. We had a watershed period in the Lyndon Johnson era when we passed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. We thought we had turned the corner. I, I think we had true integration of the military services after Vietnam. And I judge that by the number of uh, minorities that were became general officers and admirals and sergeants major and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, we were on a roll in a way after the racial tensions of the 60s and the racial violence and everything. You know, fortunately, the Martin Luther King approach, I think, uh, working with a president like Lyndon Johnson who could get things done, we passed a major hurdle, but then we sort of regressed. And and I think part of it is conditions for minorities didn't get better. They got worse. We made a commitment for equal uh, schooling and equal opportunities. I don't think that came about. It might have been marginally successful in certain areas, but I think the inner cities were never imp- improved uh, to that level. And then there's this resurgence of uh, of hate groups, which I can't believe. I mean, it's hard for me to fathom that in this day and age, we these these hate groups not only increase in size, but they become very public and very the number of uh, demonstrations, marches, parades, and all with hate groups of all sorts now it becomes so prevalent. I think the president has become a divider. When Obama won the nomination, I, I met him before when he was the new senator just came in. He asked to see me because he wanted to talk about the Middle East. And I thought, wow, this guy, give him some time in Washington. This guy's going to be a powerhouse. Well, right away he ran for president, which I thought was too soon. But when he got elected, I mean, when I voted for him and I saw the, the outcome of the election, the number of people voted for him, I said, I think we've, we, we can say this is the beginning of, of, of the end of We've done it. And it just seems we've completely regressed on all these issues. And, you know, race has now become, I, I just find it hard to, you know, to believe that we've allowed this to happen. My niece just sent me, my, well, my sister passed away and my niece, you know, handling her, all her affairs. And, uh, she sent me some photos that my sister had that, I hadn't seen because she wanted me to identify all these people. Well, there's one picture of me. Uh, we had the African-American neighbors. There was a street that went around my house and, and the street that went around one side, they lived there and we went to school together and all. And there were two brothers and one of them. This is in Philadelphia. Yeah. One of them was my age. And there's a picture of me hugging both of them, you know, and I love the picture. And I was looking at me in that picture. I mean, I guess I was maybe 10 years old, nine years old. And I'm thinking there was no, 
I wasn't thinking about them being black, me being white. I mean, it never came into the discussion. The only time I remembered anything like that issue, they were over my house. We got one of the first TVs in the neighborhood. So they were over my house and we were laying in on the floor in the living room playing some sort of board game, watching this, and the two brothers, Butchie and Barry. And I can't remember who it was. Somebody came in, uh, my father knew, came in, and he was like in shock. And he said something to my father about how could you let him have to N-word. My father threw him out of the house and said, those are my son's friends. Don't you ever come in here and don't you ever talk mm, about them. Yeah. And I and I was just that age. It, it, to me, I, I remembered that for some reason. And I thought to myself at that time, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it is. That's the way my father raised me, you know. Uh, you're not better than anybody else. And, you know, we're, we're all in this boat together because, you know, he was an immigrant to this country and working in the steel mills and doing all that other stuff. When he was growing up and everything, you were all in the same mix. You could be many ethnic group, racial group or whatever. And our neighborhood was mixed. It shocked me as I grew up seeing those racial tensions increase, experiencing it in the military at a bad time in the 60s and all. But then thinking we had finally come to our senses, and you, you could say everything I was taught about this and experienced as a young kid now is you know validated in mm-hmm. some way. But then to see it come back this way is, uh, is shocking. I mean, it's just that I, I don't know how we can regress to that point. To me, I always think the answer is education, education, education. I don't see in those, like I look out at the white supremacists and those things, I don't see people that are well-educated. I'm sure there are a few well-educated people that are bigoted and prejudiced and all that. You see them once in a while on TV or something or speaking somewhere. But by and large, those people out in that street, you know, with those Nazi helmets and swastikas and everything else, they aren't the cream of the crop. You know what I mean? <laughs> My daughter calls them booger eaters. <laughs> he said the booger eaters are in the street, you know. But I guess I, I just I'm so disappointed we lost so much ground. Thought we'd arrive. Do you, do you think the president? If you're racist, you you, you think you're racist. How, how do you think he sees himself in terms of race? I think he's a racist. I do think he had a bias and a prejudice built in. You know, he grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. He grew up as an elitist. I think he saw minorities and even even Jews, even even this though his son was Jewish, he's anti-Semitic. You know, and I think he's had a uh, he's never look the the guy never grew up. Like when you're in the military, you grew up with that guy sleeping in the cot next to you. You know, or when you grow up in a neighborhood like I grew up, you grew up in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Nothing made you special or them special. He grew up thinking he was special, you know. And I that that creates a problem because you begin to think, I don't know who they are because I don't have much dealings with them directly. It's it's usually in some sort of superior role. You begin to, to believe that. You know, begin to think that. It's like the attitude toward... Mexicans. I mean, you always see the landscaping and all this stuff. You see these, they tend to have Hispanics, you know, hard working people. I mean, I watch them out here. They come out and on the construction crews or things like that. You see work in the, uh, the lawns and the yards. It's, it's, uh, you know, 95 degrees out. You know, they're working 10 hour days, they're busting their butts. 
And I always think about, that's what my grandfather did. That's what my father did. Knowing they aren't going to bear the fruits of that labor, I am, you know. Right. And you're seeing the same thing with them, too. You know, the military was was great because you it really was uh, such a mixed bag of uh, Americans. And, you know, the military tends to be, you can't talk your way into success. You have to prove it, <laughs> whether it was physically, mentally, whatever, your competence or whatever. So you can see that anybody that, that wants it and, and has this basic skill sets, which everybody is capable of potentially having or gaining, that they can succeed. So We're talking about race, and you talked about being anti-Semitic. Why do you think, I mean, A, that has risen in this period under President Trump, but historically, why do you think there's been such a backlash towards Jews? Because the Jews killed Christ. Because basically, you know, our world, which is European-based, we come from a Christian background. And in, in from the early days of Christianity, the belief was always the Jews rejected Christ and they killed him. So the Jews in European history have always been had a negative response from uh, Europeans. So we grew up with this ingrained belief. Now the evangelicals embrace them now because but not because they've 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 seen the light. It's because they believe in this apocalypse has got to happen in Jerusalem and Israel's fulfilling a role in this prophecy of the apocalypse and everything. It's not out of love. But there's always been a built-in hatred of Jews because they're seen as uh, they rejected Christ, they killed Christ. Then when the diaspora occurred and they went uh, all over Europe, they huddled together. They tended to stay together, not assimilate. They tended to do well. You know, so when the economies were down, like in Germany, and but they were doing well, they were great shopkeepers and investors and diamond merchants and everything else. They were seen as somehow sinister and corrupt and believe up the government. You know, Hitler said they didn't fight in World War One. Yet when you go to German cemeteries all over Europe, you see the, the Star of David mixed mm-hmm. in with the crosses just as much. So, I mean, I, it's, it's this 2,000-year-old feeling towards them that... Uh, that's been created. And then, uh, you know, it's just like the Christians in Rome, you know, they like Nero blamed them for everything. It was a minor sect. Nobody understood them. People thought they were weird, crazy, and easy to blame them for the fire in Rome or anything went wrong and, you know, kill them in the Colosseum. The Jews go back to, to the earliest times of Christianity where they were seen as, you know, responsible for, Christ's death and the and and the rejection, and even though obviously the beginnings of the church with Peter and Paul they were all Jews, but that's that historically set it off. So then how does that work then today with our strong support for Israel? Well, surprisingly enough, what I found is when I was in CENTCOM in Tampa, the local Jewish community in Tampa wanted me to come to the synagogue and talk about the relationships in the Middle East. And I thought, oh, man, I don't need this because it's going to be pro-Israel, Israel, Israel. So when I, I got there, I 
and and of course my message was because Israel wasn't in my area of responsibility, and I thought they're going to hammer me for our relationships with the Arabs and the Muslims and uh, all the support. So when I go out there, I tried to I started out by explaining all this, doing all this stuff, and I'm watching them, and they're kind of looking at me, like, why are you talking about this? So then finally one of them said, "We're interested in America's interests out there." You know, I mean, fine with Israel, but tell us about America. Why, as Americans, you know, and I thought, I made this assumption it's going to be all about Israel. Now I've had the opposite happen. You know, I I, I was out in Hollywood. Uh, I was actually going on the Bill Maher show, and uh, while I was out there, it was a friend of mine said uh, she had a lot of friends in the in the movie industry business, and she wanted me to go to this big highfalutin party. And it was all old Jewish guys that were into the movie industry, you know, typically every, you know, stereotypes, I guess. And they all had young wives. One of them was uh, the the blonde that used to be on Three's Company. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that Suzanne? Is that yeah, Suzanne Summers. Yeah. Yes, okay. And so we're there at this thing. And, and, and the host was, uh, he was Jewish. He was in the movie industry. But he was more moderate. So they, be- they began asking me questions and it was like, what the hell are we doing supporting those goddamn Arabs? Why are we doing it? We, we should blow them all up. We should do all this. And, you know, the only real friend we have in the world is Israel and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, we should fight for Israel. So I, I got so pissed off. I said, you got any kids in the military? No. Well, why the hell should my son be in the military fighting for you? If you feel this way, if you're not caring about America and you care about it, why don't your kid join us? So it got to a real argument. And the host, host agreed with me. So he, he climbs it down. And I thought, you know, I came into this without any prejudices whatsoever. And I listened to these guys. It was like, screw everybody else in the world. It's Israel. Then I, after I calmed down, I thought, this is a, you know, this is not represent. I mean, in the, right in this community, I've been to the synagogue here and I've talked to the, the temple here and talked to them. Great Americans, you know, and uh, uh, great friends too. But the, the attitude is not, we make an assumption about their relationship with Israel. And I think there's maybe a small percentage that have this bond with Israel that maybe, maybe in some cases supersedes their own patriotism toward the U.S., but not, it's not prevalent in the Jewish community as people think or bigoted people want to promote. All right. So, but then going back to the, the original question, why, why do you think that we support Israel based on what you talked about historically? We support Israel for several reasons. One of them is we have a big Jewish community in the United States, just like we've always had, you know, supported European countries, and, you know, because there's an affinity that's great, which is changing now because our demographics are changing. That's part of it. The second part of it is a sense of guilt over the Holocaust. You know, when Jews were trying to escape and when did it come to this country, we denied them entrance. You know, we didn't take them in. We didn't uh, grasp what was going on. So I think there's a sense of guilt. I think there's a sense of uh, we have a strong community here. So there is a connection. That's part of it. I, I think it gets overplayed too much, as I said. There's this belief that Jews influence our politics. If someone were not to support Israel, a politician or something, couldn't possibly be elected. And I think that's all much overplayed. The other reason is they're a democracy. 
we favor democracies. We, we're more supportive of democracy. It's the only one in the Middle East that's a really a democracy. So I think those all reasons combined, God bless the Jewish community in America. They know how to work our politics really yeah. well. I mean, they, they have PACs and lobbies, but so does everybody else, you know. Well, do you also think, is there a, um, because their adversaries are of color, Muslim, Arabs, is that, does race also play a factor, you think, in that? I think race plays a factor in that somewhat because of who their their adversaries are. But we've had special relationships with, you know, Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates and others. You know, there were times when Israel did not want us to sell them state-of-the-art weapon systems, but we did anyway. I mean, everybody believes Israel controls our government to the point where we, we couldn't do things like that. But over their objections, we have sold state-of-the-art weapons because we fight side-by-side side out mm-hmm. there. So, I, you know, I think maybe that adds to it in some ways. But I think it's more, you know, I would say it's predominantly since we do have a very strong Jewish American community Mm -hmm. and because we do have this sense of guilt about the Holocaust I think also there's this strong evangelical and the evangelicals are very powerful politically evangelical connection to Israel you know because of the their belief in the apocalypse and how it's going to all go down so I think there's a series of reasons I think too many people believe it has to do with uh, American Jews controlling our political system and you can't get election. I don't think that's that's true. I think they do have a powerful mm-hmm. lobby, but so does a lot of people. I mean, the, the gun lobby is powerful. The, you know, uh, there are all sorts of, of, of people, that organizations and groups that have, have uh, political power. And, and, and a democracy, that's the right to you know, assemble, speak, and... Mm-hmm. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if one had said, you know, would you envision a black president? Most people would have said no. We haven't had a black president. Now you're going to look at me strangely and say, what does he mean by that? All right. Obama is not the the ancestor of slaves. We have yet to have the black president. Okay. At first we said it was Clinton. Because he grew up in the South. He was in the poor South. And he associated. Say, oh. That's the black president, you know, as close as we get. Then we had a black president, but his roots were not. We have yet to have sure. the black that. president. Okay, that's all right. You know, that's, that's, what I mean with a capital B. No, that's, that's and a, that's I think the point. first black president has to be somebody who's rooted in the slave era. Because that is the true. This is why I believe that the you could not say we had an integrated military until you saw the first black four-star general. Then you can't say it's integrated. You know, I grew up in a military where I saw, when I came in, we had black sergeants major. You know, we had some famous ones in the Marine Corps, Ashmark Johnson and Sergeant Major Huff and all that. Then we started to see black officers. Then you began to see black field grade officers, majors, lieutenant colonels. Then you began to see, oh, the first black colonel, you know, the, the colonels. Then, you know, the first black general officer, brigadier general. But you hadn't arrived until you saw the first black four-star general. In my mind, we, the first black president will have to be someone 
this is not taking anything away from Obama, but it will, you, you know, he's half white and he's half Kenyan. Kenyan. You know, not through the American experience, the black American experience. So I really think the first real black president is going to be the one that, that will trace his or her roots. And I really think you're probably going to see the first black woman president before you see the first black male president, because I just think now the emphasis on gender equality is so strong. And we're seeing a lot of very strong black women. I mean, right now, uh, Michelle Obama would win that Democratic nomination more than anybody else. Do you like Cory Booker? Cory kind of denies his background. He came from a very elite family, very well. He's Ivy League educated, mm-hmm. but he plays to the, you know, I'm one of the guys that came up through the ranks. He didn't really come up through the ranks, you know. He's a likable guy. He's very articulate and he's very smart. But I don't know. That's that's not who I'm looking for. But yeah, when, I, when I'm looking for this first black president, I'm looking for somebody that is you know is a self-made person. Probably went to a black college, was able to maybe get an Ivy League education, let's say, in a graduate degree, became successful, you know, in, in some field or something. In other words, wor- worked his way up or her way up through a lot of adversity uh, and got to where they are. And and to me, that will model the black American experience. You know, mm-hmm. like I go back to my military experience. I've seen black four-star generals that came up that way. You know, it, it was a struggle to go, to go to school. It was a struggle to to make your way through, you know, but you proved yourself all the way mm-hmm. up the line. So why is that important to you? Why do you think that's important? First of all, because I think of my own American experience. I mean, my parents were immigrants to this country. It was very difficult being an, uh, an immigrant. You know, your opportunities were slim. If you were an Italian-American in the military in, say, World War II, you were in the enlisted ranks, by and large, with few exceptions. If someone were to come over here that, let's say, is, uh, is an Italian that grew up in Milan and a prominent business family, comes over to here, immigrates, lives in a huge estate in Florida, son goes to Harvard, and he becomes president of the United States, so I'm the first Italian-American uh, president, I'd say... Technically, yes, but not, not, you didn't have the Italian-American experience which started in the early 1900s and living in the Italian enclaves in the cities, struggling with, you know, manual labor and jobs and doing, you know, trying to come up out of that, uh, trying to educate your kids and everything else. I, I think that uh, being rooted in whatever the American experience is for whoever you are, Black American, Italian American, whatever, is an Im- important to see. Not that the others should. I'm, I'm glad Obama was president. I'm glad he, 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 you know, I think it was important that he was. But we haven't achieved that success of the American experience, you know, where you can say he's sitting in the White House and he is the son of slaves, you know, that were forced to come to this country, went through unbelievable horrors, and you think about all that experience and we were able to see him rise or her rise to that position. That's, that's interesting. It's fascinating. So I was going to ask you then, could you foresee a Jewish president? Oh, yeah. Bloomberg. 
You know, could be Bernie Sanders, could be. I don't see why not. I think there are certain people who wouldn't vote for him because of prejudices, mm-hmm. just like there's certain people aren't going to vote for a black president. Right. There are certain people aren't going to vote for an Italian American president. You know, I mean, <laughs> so, you know. Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, but uh, I don't see why not. I mean, there, we have people running that are that are Jewish and uh, you know and uh, Jewish American. But again, I, I I go back to this American experience. To me, this is important. But I don't want you to think anybody that didn't come through that experience isn't you know shouldn't be or uh, can't be or anything else. I'm just saying that that's uh, yeah. you know where the, where they are rooted. And how they come through that is an American story that you want to see happen. No, that's a fascinating point. I hadn't hadn't looked at it that way. That's that's fascinating. Thank you for joining us. Find us on Facebook at General Zinni APW and online at APKCG backslash APW. I'm Adam P. Kennedy, and this is America's Place in the World.